God, we love you so much. I thank you for this time. Lord God, I speak to your people, Lord Jesus. I pray that we could leave this place different than we came in. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that we could come to, come to know you more tonight through your word. In your holy name, amen. 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 So according to the internet... <laughs> so in public speaking, you have to add credibility to what you're going to say so people will respect it. So according to the internet, there's about 4 million babies born per year. How many did you guys know that? In the United States, 4 million babies in the United States. Who was born before? Anybody? We've all been born, right? So we're familiar at least with the statistics. You've got to work with me tonight or it's going to be a really, really long night. 4 million babies born per year. About 300,000 are identical twins. Hmm. How many people know an identical twin? Some of you, most of you. Here's a funny thing. So uh, every, anytime you talk about identical twins, there's always somebody who's like, oh, there was like four sets of identical twins in my high school. Yeah, so there was a thousand people who went to your high school and eight of them were identical twins. Okay, so it's still rare. Can we still admit that? <laughs> it's still rare, right? But only 25% of those identical twins are mere image twins, like my brother and I. Like, you probably can't tell from here because of the angle, but mirror image twins, like when you look at them, their, their features are mirror image. So one of my ears sits higher than the other ear, and for him, it's the opposite. And my nose is crooked one way, and his nose is crooked the other way. So when you're looking in the mirror, right, things look a little different. So sometimes it's like looking in a funny mirror. <laughs> I'm just saying. You come up here. Come up here. So mom, mom, come up here too. You come up here too. So like, see like the mirror image. It's like his shoulders are broad and mine are skinny. And he has lots of muscle and I don't have any muscle. No, but seriously, can you see like one ear? Like is it the inside ear or the outside ear? One of them sticks out like this. Never now yeah. you never cannot see. Like, <laughs> eyes are uneven, hooks for hands. But come in the middle. <laughs> but look at this. We came out of this. Yeah. In there. That the pretty almost the same time. Almost the same time. We'll talk about that too. Mirror image twins. So now when you meet a pair of identical twins, you're going to be looking at them, trying to figure out, are they just run-of-the-mill ordinary twin, identical twins or mirror image twins? So our twin story, our birth story is pretty good too. So that's our mom, and she had us as twins. And so uh, I had to talk to her this week and kind of confirm the story uh, to make sure that I remember it correctly because I was pretty young at the time. <laughs> Thank you. See, you got better. Thank you so much. Okay, so we have an older brother who's five years older than us who was a really big baby. And so um, at some point between him and us, my mom was told she couldn't have any kids uh, anymore. And so then when she got pregnant with us, it was a big surprise. And so they're like, well, the doctors were thinking, well, she's probably not going to be able to carry it to term, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, you know. And then by about four months in, they're like, well, maybe you better come in. We should start looking into this. 
So as she began to gain weight because she was pregnant and all those other kind of things, um, because my brother was such a big baby, the fact that she had twins and the way we grew and how much weight she gained and all that kind of stuff was not unusual. It didn't seem weird at all. No red flags went up. No reason for the doctors to think that she had twins. And even when they, you know, do the whole, like, look, let's feel how the baby feels. They can feel one head and two feet. Mine. <laughs> Then they thought, well, there's no reason for them to worry about her having twins. There's no reason to expect it. And so, because normal twins sit side by side, I was wrapped around him like this. <laughs> so they could just feel me. They couldn't feel him. So it was wrapped around him like a ball. And so, now this was 47 years ago. So it's not like you just go in and get this 3D sonogram, you know. So you don't get an ultrasound. Some people get ultrasounds before they even get pregnant. They're like, oh yeah, you're pregnant. <laughs> In three weeks, no, it's like they didn't have that stuff. It was just not widely used, so there was no reason. It's not like you just go in and get that stuff done. So I was wrapped around him, and it wasn't until 10 days before we were born that she even found out that they were having twins. Up until this point, they had no idea. And then about 10 days before the scheduled C-section, they're like, well, guess what? You're having twins. So she goes in for the C-section, and so, and I don't want to get too into detail because it's going to get it's way off the point. But I'm wrapped around him from the top like this, so he was going to be born first if we were a natural birth. He's got all the traits of the firstborn. You may have noticed this: bigger, stronger. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. That was real. That was a real thing. Like, Google it. Like, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's got a more dominant personality. It's, he's got all the traits of the firstborn twin. Why? Because he was supposed to be born first. But watch this. They did a C-section. Boom! They pulled me out first, right off the top. <laughs> the doctor said, oh, this is a big baby. And they're like, oh, there's another one. Oh, this is an even bigger baby. <laughs> I, so I stole this birthright. I got born first. <laughs> But it's worse, and you may not know this, so like, just hold on tight, because I'm not trying to hurt you. I just want everybody to understand where we're at. <laughs> so they were going to name this baby, my mom and dad were going to name this baby after our grandfathers, Grandpa Jason and Grandpa Bill, William. Jason and William, they were going to name. And so then end up you're having two sons now. So now you're like, well, we'll name the firstborn son after the grandparents. And then guess who was born first? <laughs> Jason William. So I literally stole his birthrights from him. We're not, he's not mad about it anymore. Did you know that story? No. Yeah. You know now. Yeah. But it gets even better. So, 10 days before my mom was going to have this, this baby, she finds out it's twins. So, she goes in and she gets an x-ray to see if everything's okay. Because that's what they did 50 years ago is x-rays, not ultrasound. So, she's getting this x-ray um, to just check that everything's okay. And so, they lay her down. And she's got the big old baby belly. And they're x-raying it. And the, and the uh, x-ray tech's like, uh, uh-oh. She's like, well, hey, is everything okay over there? And he's like, um, yeah, I think so. Visibly, like, shaken, something's weird for him. So he takes her and he sits her up and he kind of adjusts her position and then takes another x-ray. And because the first one showed a baby with two heads and four arms. 
You see, you know what an x-ray looks like. It's like this. It's like, that's too much. So he sat her up and he turned around the other way and x-rayed her again like, oh, okay, two babies. It's normal twins. So originally the x-ray looked like could have been conjoined twins. Because you think regular twins are rare, conjoined twins are even more rare. Thousand cases per year in the United States. Out of four million births per year, only a thousand are conjoined twins. They're rare, extremely rare. And so I want to tell you a couple of interesting conjoined twin stories I found on the interweb. The first one, Krista and Tatiana Hogan, they're 15 years old and they live in Canada. And of course, like all conjoined twins, they defy great odds. It's, it's not just like you're born a conjoined twin and then that's it forever. I mean, you know, you go through hardship. A lot of times it's not super successful. I mean, it's super extremely rare for this to happen. And they're 15 years old. And get this, these, these twins are joined at the head and their brains are actually connected by a thalamus bridge. <laughs> the most fascinating thing is that they can see through each other's eyes and hear each other's thoughts. Isn't that just amazing? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Like, you're truly amazed. You're not just, like, placating me. We're all amazed together right now. Okay, there's another set of twins that gets better. Abigail and Brittany, they're 31, and they live in Minnesota. They're the rarest kind of conjoined twins. They actually share one torso, but have two heads. It's like one body with two heads. Like, this is real, people. It really happens. And so, uh, of course, they have different personalities, like all twins have different personalities. They're actually two different people in the same body, but and they both graduated from college, and now they're fifth-grade teachers in Minnesota. What if you walked in and your fifth-grade teacher had two heads? <laughs> I mean, horizons just broadened. I mean, it's an it's amazing, amazing story. Um, but like all these four girls, they're conjoined twins. They can't be separated. Most conjoined twins can't be separated because they're sharing vital organs inside, things they need for life, their circulatory systems, their organs. The things they need to be alive, they're sharing, so they can't be separated. Otherwise, they would die. You guys, and now he's like, what is he, what are we talking about tonight? Now you're catching on, right? In a spiritual way, as Christians, we're conjoined with Christ because the same Holy Spirit that gave Jesus life gives us life. If you try to separate us, we'll die a spiritual death. Landed it. You thought I lost it. You're like, where are we going today? I, I got there eventually. You're not going to forget, though. The good news is, is that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at our verses today. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who shall condemn? 
It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through, through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 My first point is this. There's no earthly thing that can defeat the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul says, he starts off this whole thing by saying, what shall we say about these things? And so if you've been following us on Wednesdays, we've been going through the book of Romans, and we've spent a few weeks in Romans chapter 8. And so in Romans chapter 8, Paul is encouraging the believers to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And so that means living according to the scriptures. That means uh, listening to the Holy Spirit in your life and not giving in to sin. He's encouraging them to stick strong and do these kind of things. He says, for as many of you are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So only if the Spirit of God lives in you, you will have life and we are adopted in as God's children. Amen? Amen. The suffering and the drama and the earthly power around you cannot compare or compete with the power and the grace and the amazing glory that will be revealed through Jesus in us and through us. So all that suffering and drama and stuff we see in the world, none of it can compare. I know it's, it's really easy to let these things dominate your thoughts. It's so interesting all the variety of things that are actually going on in the world that we in America aren't even talking about. We got our drama and we got our stuff right, and it's important. But there is some crazy, amazing drama and hardship and conflict going on in the rest of the world, even more so than the stuff that we think is important for us right here, right? But all of it together is not enough to outweigh the amazing uh, uh, awesomeness of Christ in us. Amen? The Holy Spirit inside of you is so much bigger and more powerful than any of that other stuff could be. And in light of that, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we're, You know, it's funny, because sometimes a statement like this is a very, either you're for us or against this statement. And it, in our country, it's very prevalent. Um, in other countries, I'm not sure how prevalent it is in their culture, but we're a very, you're either this or that type of culture. You're either for us or against us. You're either in or you're out. You're one group or you're another group. There's not a lot of room in our narrative for nuance. And all of us would probably say, I'm willing to bet, if we all talked about it, you'd all be willing to say, well, I'm not all the way this. I'm, I'm some of this, but I really like this. And I have some friends that are a couple of these other things built together. We're all a little nuanced. We're not all just fit in one little box or one category. And so when you say, if God is for us, who can be against us? This statement really is a measure of there's one thing here, that's God, and he is with you. And then everything else that you can possibly think of, good or bad, cannot come against that. Because God is with you, 
What else could possibly? It's more of like a rhetorical question. Who could even be against us? If God's for us, who could even be against us? It's rhetorical because the answer is obvious. Nothing could be against us. I was thinking about when you think of... uh, I was trying to think of an example where you could think of something that, uh, that we would all just agree just from the start. I just set up the premise and we can all agree that there's nothing that can stand against it. So I was trying to think of something very impactful and poignant. And it made me think of the dream team. Yeah, some of you were shaking your heads because you were of that age in the early 90s when the Dream Team was there. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the Dream Team? Yeah, the 1992 men's Olympic basketball team. It was the first year that professional athletes were allowed to play in the Olympics because the Olympics is supposed to be amateur athletes. And so all these other countries were really good at basketball because all of their best athletes were amateur athletes. In their country, and in our country, all the best athletes were pro athletes, and none of them could play in the Olympics until 1992 and the Dream Team. When all the best basketball players in America could all be on the same team together, and they just routed every other country, just completely destroyed them. There was no standing. Who can name anybody on the Dream Team? Michael Jordan. Barkley, Clyde Drexler, John Stockton. And if you have John Stockton on the team, who else do you have to have? Carl Malone, of course you do. There was a Christian on the team. Christian Leitner. He was the only college kid. So these are the names. These are the who's who's. You know, Scottie Pippins and the David Robinsons and the Patrick Ewings. These are the who's who's of American basketball in the 90s. And they wiped out everybody. They were the dream team. But you got even better than the dream team because you got God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I think of the dream team, and I think that when you take those names, um, and, and maybe it's just for us in pop culture, maybe it's my age bracket, but when you were say like, hey, what would be the best possible scenario you could have for a basketball team, those are the names you would think of. But when you think about our lives as Christians, and you say, what would be the best possible team I could have that I would be able to endure all things and overcome all things and rise above all things, you would have to say, all I need is God. Amen. I mean, you could have a lot of great people on the team, and there's a lot of great basketball, basketball players of the day, but at the end of it all, you don't need a whole team. You just need God. Amen. You may feel like sheep led to the slaughter all day long in this life, But you must draw your strength from the Lord because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. It's such a powerful statement to me. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. That's a huge thing, right? That's a huge power. I mean, people got healed, people raised from the dead, Jesus himself, and that same Holy Spirit power is inside of you. What, what could stand against you? What do you have to fear in terms of that? I mean, if you really like get that into your head that, that, is, is that that's what's going on here, the power of God is so great that nothing in the world could stand against it. Your mind and your heart should be focused on the goodness of God, not on your own problems. 
Because I know for me, like sometimes I get really focused on the problems and it can get kind of feeling kind of overwhelming and I really get focused in and then I'm just thinking about that problem all day long and what am I going to do to solve that problem and when's the next time I could do something to do to solve that problem. But if I would spend time recognizing that the spirit of God that lives inside of me is more powerful than all that stuff. And then if I would just focus on the goodness of God and the wonders uh, that are in him in Christ Jesus, then I wouldn't be so focused on my problems day to day. And if I wasn't so focused on my problems, I wouldn't be so grumpy all the time, right? We'd probably be able to endure these things that we go through in our life and a little better attitude because we're like, yeah, I'm sure this is awful, but the Spirit of God lives in me. Nothing can stop me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. My second point is this. You are conjoined with Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39 again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's almost, he says that almost in a rhetorical way as well. Like, not as like, well, I mean, who, who can separate us? He's like, who? Yeah. Right. Name something. I mean, look at the heavy hitter list of things he tries to say. What could separate us? Like what? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? The sword? It's almost like he's thinking of all the worst things he could think of. To kind of draw this contrast that nothing can separate us from Christ. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, this is a great verse uh, standing alone. We are more than conquerors through uh, him who loved us. Or we are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. It's great. You could write it on your shoes. You could put it on your notebook. You could put a sticker of it on your window so it can encourage you every day. But what's really important about this verse in context is listen to what he's saying in all these things are. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword accounted as sheeps to the slaughter and killed all day long. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What, what more is there than that? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things that are present, nor things that are to come, nor heights, nor depths, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I feel like, like he's saying this in a way like he can't think of anything bigger to say. Like he's maxed out his words. He, he's trying to paint for them a picture that is bigger than their imagination. And that's, the, that's what he could come up with to try to say none of it. Nothing that you can think of can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are stuck together like conjoined twins with Jesus. Like the two-headed kind. <laughs> Try to separate us and we'll die. Yeah. Too much of this stuff is connected that we need for life. You try to separate that, we're going to die spiritually. We'd be dead in, in our sin and transgressions. We are God's son through Jesus, but only if we are connected to Jesus. 
Yeah, we're all God's children in the sense that uh, God created all things, but we're all not his sons and daughters in the spiritual sense that we're eternally going to heaven and conjoined and connected with Christ. Only those who are believers in Jesus Christ are that. There's so much around us in this world that we can't control. It can become overwhelming. I talk about it sometimes when I'm up here, the idea that people have this false uh, belief and false reality of the things that they can control. I wonder if over the past two years, maybe you've been able to reevaluate what you think you can control and can't control, or even more importantly, how important those things are that you think you can't control or can't control. Because really, if, if you could really wrap your mind around how little can you control, control you actually have around the things around you and the world around you, it could get a little scary for you. Unless you know that the power of Christ in you is more important and more powerful than all of those things that you really don't have any control over. So your peace can come from the Lord, not from thinking that you have control over the world around you. Even still... We are more than overcomers because Christ has loved us. There is no trouble too big. Now, all these things that Paul listed are really, really big things. And he really stretched out to try to grab on to things that would, would picture in our head what's the biggest, the baddest, the worst things that could separate us. But what I'm thinking about is, are you letting the small little things separate you? Sometimes it's the small things that threaten to separate us from Jesus. The things that only have power because you've given it to them. The little things. Sometimes it's easy to look at something like, I don't know, famine. Do you have any control over famine? Is there anything that you could do today, tomorrow, or the next year to control famine? No. So yeah, somewhat that's easy to give over to the Lord. Lord God, you are powerful over famine. I place my trust in you. But those little things that you do have control over, those small daily decisions, those choices you make, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? Am I going to worry about this or worry about that? Those thoughts that you dwell on, I think sometimes those are harder to give over to the Lord because you do think you can control them and you have power over them. Why is it hard to say, I'm going to trust the Lord with something giant and huge that I have no control over anyway? I think sometimes it's much harder to trust him with these little things throughout the day. Our worry about our job, our worry about our food on the table. It may not be trials and trouble. It may just be comfort and convenience. That may just be the thing getting in the way, trying to separate you from Christ. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, which is one we hear a lot, but it's good to get deep down inside of you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in, in everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In everything, even the small things. And then the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding and your ability to control it, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Not will change your circumstances into something that's easier to deal with. Will guard your hearts and your minds as you walk through this, knowing that the power of Christ is greater than the power of anything that you could be walking through or facing. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
We can be really good at putting all the giant, uncontrollable things in God's hands, but struggle with the small, seemingly manageable things that distract us from our Savior. It reminds me of those twins who were connected by the brain. We need to share the mind of Christ. We need to be conjoined with our brains so that we, he can, we can see through his eyes and we can hear his thoughts. Amen? But here's another part. Like conjoined twins, your body is not your own. You share it with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you probably haven't thought about what it'd be like to be a conjoined twin, but in my week of research and many pictures and many stories that I read, I could imagine that if I was with somebody 24 hours a day, all the time, just like right here, all the time, it'd get pretty pretty long days. Pretty long days, I would think. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who dwells in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I found another story of some conjoined twins. Um, it's just such a weird... I, so, like, we're twins, and we grew up together, and apart from, you know, dressing similarly and going to the same schools and stuff, I mean, imagine if I was handcuffed to him all the time. That'd be a whole different game, right? Everywhere he goes, I have to go. Everything he does, I have to do. I, I saw this story where one... These are conjoined twins now. One conjoined twin is suing the other conjoined twin in court to block them... Oh my God, this is like, okay. One conjoined twin is suing the other conjoined twin in court to block them from marrying the other conjoined twin ex-husband. What? I'm just like... But imagine that. Like, some of you have ex-husbands and wives, at least ex-girlfriends, something. Somebody that you're like, this did not work out. We do not get along. I, I would I'd be willing to go the rest of my days without seeing that person again. And now, the person you're handcuffed to is wanting to get married to them. You're just like... <sighs> Wouldn't that be crazy? Because... They can't separate their bodies. This, this relationship is not going to separate them, but it's going to d- destroy them emotionally and psychologically. It's going to destroy the relationship. You can't just make a decision that pleases yourself without considering that other person. Right? You can't just marry the world without considering that you share a body with Christ. You knew I was going there. I mean... You knew I was going to go there. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. If you picture yourself as being conjoined with Christ, it should start making you think about the decisions you make throughout the day differently, thinking that they that Christ is there connected to you, 
And so you can't just do whatever you want. My last point is this. Christ died so that you could be saved, and no one can ever take that away from you. Verse 34 said, it, uh, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And verse 32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Nothing can separate you from God's everlasting love through Jesus Christ. You are conjoined with the Holy Spirit, and the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Uh, Sometimes we live in a world where so powerful people want to stay powerful. And this is universal. You go to any country in the world, it's all the same. The people who have power do everything they can to maintain power. And the people who don't have power, it's out of their control for the most part anyway. But one thing that they can never take from you, they could take away your money, they could take away your house. You know, I was in Cambodia um, a few years back, and I was talking to the missionaries there. And so what's happening on the coast of Cambodia is that, I mean, you have people, agricultural people, people who have farmed rice there and lived on the coast for hundreds of years, generation after generation, and, and, and uh, China is buying up the coast of Cambodia. Cambodia is a Buddhist country, and they're buying up the coast and building casinos, and they're Buddhists, so they can't work in the casinos. So not only are they buying up the land, they're also creating an environment where the people can't even get a job. So you take their land, you take their money, and you take their ability to have a job, and you say, well, it's not your land. Show me the deed. The deed? My family's been here for 10 generations. No one can take away your salvation through Jesus Christ. No one can just come in and steal it one day. No, no one can make a deal with the king and just say, hey, why don't we just do a backdoor deal and we'll kick your people off their own land. No one can take the love of God from you. But first, you must be a believer in Jesus Christ. That is what God, God's love through Jesus Christ is all about. You know, all this stuff that we talked about tonight is only uh, consoling and encouraging words to you if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, it was just kind of a nice, funny half hour. You walk away from here and you say, hey, that was really funny how he talked about twins all night long. But if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord of your life, then you're not conjoined with him. Then it was just funny. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Consider the power of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. None of that means anything without Christ Jesus in your life. It just doesn't mean anything. It has no value to you. These words are for the believer. So you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today to find assurance in these words. My last verse is this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Why don't you bow your heads? You know, being in church, uh, in a room full of Christians, in a room full of people who uh, love the Lord and want to share life as Christians, uh, there's no safer, no better, no more comfortable time to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. No one's going to throw stones. No one's got pitchforks. We all love you. We want you to come to the Lord. We want you to be part of Christ's family. We want you to be encouraged by these words. So if that's you in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, never done it before, want to do it for the first time, you're saying, now I do, I want to be conjoined with Christ. I want to be part of the family of God. I want to repent of my sins. I want to just uh, walk away from my old life, old life and start a new life with Christ. If that's you for the first time today, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand at me. We want to pray for you. So you just want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Now, some of you in here, maybe this was a, a, just a, a time where you just got to reframe and rethink about how you're walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh and, and what your life means in Christ. So if today, if tonight uh, you had a fresh look at of understanding what it means to walk with Christ inside of you in your life as a Christian and it makes you want to change what you're doing then change it tonight don't wait till tomorrow don't wait till the moment fades change it tonight because you're conjoined with Christ let's pray Lord God we love you so much God we give you everything we have Lord God let us never forget that that you are connected and living inside of us Lord Jesus let us always draw on your strength and comfort from your words, Lord Jesus. Allow us to be changed in your name. In your holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Go get your kids. Get your kids. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.